rifling through those long boxes and bagging those books. Welcome to your home for Star Wars comics. This is the Cosmic Force Podcast, a Utini Podcast Network production. And now, here are your hosts, Tyler Reganti, Emma Park, Caleb Lamanek, and Jacob Bosch. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 45 of the Cosmic Force. And tonight is Roundtable Night, and we are going to go back to the foundational five for the rise of Kylo Ren. Uh, it's going to be a really fun discussion tonight. We also have a new title in the weekly pull list, and we got a, a, a tiny speck of Star Wars news today that I'm sure we'll discuss. Uh, so let's go ahead and say hi to the rest of our team tonight. And we start where we always do with Emma. Emma, I did... We, did anything happen today from a Star Wars perspective? Uh, I um, mean, I was kind of off slack for, for a little bit today. I mean, all I got to say is hello there, everyone. Hello um, there, indeed. It was uh, it was a crazy day, that's for sure. I mean, we started the morning with two incredible comics, and then we moved into the afternoon. You know, we got some images of Sir Obi-Wan himself, and then all of a sudden, bam, there's a trailer, and it was freaking awesome. So... Yeah, uh, it's just I'm my excitement levels are off the charts. I'm so here for it. <laughs> yes, we are all here for it. Caleb, what about you, sir? How what were your thoughts on the surprise sort of uh, trailer today? Hello there. Yes, I was kind of a surprise because I remember like scrolling through at work. Well, I was doing real work. Trust me, guys, real work. <laughs> but in between real work, I was looking at all the new uh, images that were coming out from the, uh, I think it was like the entertainment magazine. So we were doing like deep dives, like, ooh, who's this character? Ooh, who's this character? And literally, I don't think anyone was expecting the trailer to drop quite that soon. And there we are watching about, was it an out, a minute and 40 seconds of really high level, uh, all gas, no brakes, octane, Kenobi action. So, uh, I'm excited. It's very, I'm very curious as to how they're going to do the uh, story, what we're going to see here. Um, you know, people were debating, like, you know, I remember someone was going through the uh, entertainment uh, article and said, wait, they mentioned a Grand Inquisitor. Is he going to show up? And literally an hour later, everyone's <laughs> like, oh, he showed up. He's right here. He's on the screen. So I'm excited. I think I like, I'm not going to say it's going to be a long wait until March. 25th oh, it is. It's going it to be. comes out. Oh, well, not for me. Well, we have so much of our great Star Wars content, like the comics that are coming out. So I think we'll be able to uh, alleviate ourselves and wait patiently until then. At least I will. Speaking of great Star Wars co content, if you guys didn't check out the Cosmic Force show Twitter feed today, uh, right before we went live, Jacob get, created an excellent meme for tonight's uh, episode that kind of ties in some scenes from the trailer today and our, t our topic tonight. Uh, well done, sir. Uh, thank you. You know, uh, you, you literally told me what to do, uh, so I really shouldn't take that much credit for it, but there we go. You know, everyone's favorite snowcat. Everybody's man. favorite snowcat. Um, but yeah, you told me what to do, and then you also got the idea from Jared. So, like, uh, how much did I really have to do with this? Not, I mean, whatever. I threw it in GIMP. Took me Creation like 30 seconds. Creation is a collaborative effort. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, nothing really happened today. Um, there's absolutely no reason that this comic book is selling for an insane amount of money right now. Um, not, not at all. It's like it was like literally we were talking in Slack about the Grand Inquisitor. I'm like, oh, I wonder how much this comic book is going for. And I like screenshotted it and posted it. And within like 20 seconds, Eric had posted the link to the actual thing. I'm like, oh, 
there we go. It's it's black or Santa all over again. It really um, is. Yeah. I, seriously, like, don't buy it. Like, if you're like thinking like I really need this, don't. I, I like because I was curious. I was like literally as Caleb was introing, I was totally paying attention, being a good producer. Uh, but no, I was looking at it and comparing it, and the Black Hunter Santon value has already dropped off of his like debut issue. So, but if you're selling it, you know, if you're selling it on the other, if hand, you're selling, selling it, it now's the good. time. Yeah. Now's the time. It's uh, like, like NFTs course, all over again. Of course, issue six is the important one, and I own one through five. Uh. So um, <laughs> that's, that's usually how that works. I do have to yeah. say that. I, I get that he has a whole professional team working on him, but at fifty years old, at fifty years old, I I am extremely jealous of of Ewan McGregor slash Obi Wan's hair and beard because that's just I mean it's perfection like in 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 all of his, these these images and, and videos and and then if I can look like that when I'm fifty, I I am doing something right. I'm just just wondering. He's throw a that out very there. very handsome man. It's um, <laughs> it's great. I love it. <laughs> All right. Well, if you are joining us live or joining us for the first time, welcome. We are a Star Wars comics podcast that broadcasts live right here on YouTube.com slash UTini every Wednesday night at 8 p.m. But if you can't join us live, that's okay. We are also available on all of your favorite podcasting platforms. So be sure to share. uh, Give us a like over on those platforms as well. We are also a part of the Utini Podcast Network of nearly a dozen shows and a Discord channel at utini.com slash Discord with more than 1,000 members and dozens of channels uh, to choose from. And if you like what you see and you want to say thanks, then head on over to our Patreon channel at patreon.com slash Utini, where for as little as $5 a month, you can gain exclusive access to the entire Utini Podcast Network of shows, as well as exclusive merch and community involvement activities. And Emma... I'm going to turn it over to you so you can uh, shout out to our new patrons this week. Absolutely. Yeah, we have two new patrons. So I want to say a huge thank you to Lane Hickerson and Sean Faust. Thank you both so much for joining our Patreon. I hope you enjoy some of our exclusive content. And I believe that means we're getting closer to the $1,000 goal of the uh, Living Force documentary of when... Uh, the four of them and Timothy met for the first time. So thank you too for getting us even closer to that because personally, I can't wait to see it. So oh yeah, <laughs> good stuff. <laughs> yes. If you want to know what, uh, what I must talk about, like I said, please be sure to or go, head over to patreon.com slash Utini to check out all of that information. All right, let's go ahead and get into the weekly pull list. And we have a brand new title out this week. Jacob, uh, we'll start with uh, the, uh, another a continuation and then, then we've got a, a brand new title. Yeah, uh, so we got Crimson Rain number three, Ar- The Archivist, uh, written by Charles Soule with pencils from Steve Cummins. Uh, the cover is by Lionel Francis Yu. The inker is Victor Olazaba. The colorist is Guru EFX, and the letterer is Travis Lanham. Uh, and then we had, yeah, the uh, new title, Han Solo and Chewbacca, uh, The Crystal Run Part 1, written by Mark Guggenheim, uh, pencils by David Messina, the color is by, or the cover is by Alex Maleev, uh, the colorist is Alex Sinclair, and the letterer is Joe Caramanga. So, yeah, this was a... It was, I don't know, for me, it was like, this was like the first thing that was just wholly different than what we've been getting for a while. Like, you know, we've had the post-Empire Strikes Back era going on for, what, like a little bit over a year now, two yeah, years now. Yeah, going on two. Yeah, um, two years. Yeah. Um, and then we've had, you know, the War of the Bounty Hunters and the Crimson Rain, and then we have a higher public doing its own whole thing for a little bit over a year now. So this is the first thing that's like 
just completely different in a long time. And uh, I don't know about you guys, but I, I'm happy to get a little bit of a change of pace. Yeah, Anytime we sure. can get more of these two characters, uh, I'm, I'm I'm all for it. Um, especially these two on their own. Uh, I think that they mm-hmm. are they they make for some great content. Um, so yeah, that's it's it's awesome to see these two. Plus, it has everyone's least favorite bounty hunter, Greedo. <laughs> you see him work even more as a slimo. So you know more Greedo for more uh, baggage from that uh, scene heads. It's always good. I'd- and Corellia, which apparently is you know featured in the new uh, young adult novel in the High Republic. So it's nice to see Corellia get represented more in canon. Yeah, I-, I loved today's issue. I did notice something, though, and I don't know if this was just me, but did you guys notice that those little brackets that they put to like denote that somebody's speaking like an alien language? Did you notice that those were like mm. gone for Greedo? Or was... Or, I did yeah, see. Like, okay. I, did I not- thought I was like going crazy for a second, but I was like... I'm shocked I noticed that. Like, I'm slightly proud of myself. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> does does, Gre- does Greedo speak basic now? I guess. I mean, may- well, that's what oh, I was thinking. That, I was like, that, you- that's what it would imply. Can you imagine because what he sounds like speaking st- basic? That'd be so funny. <laughs> it definitely still sets it out in brackets for Jabba. So. Yeah. Well, we've seen uh, Rodarian speak basic in, like, the shows. So, uh, I mean, yeah. He, yeah. It, it is. There is. It is canonical that that. that uh, mm-hmm. Rodians can speak basic according to uh, the Clone Wars, um, but so, but we never we never heard. I don't think we've heard Greedo speak basic. And, and by the I, way, that's I'm not that's not a nitpick. I, I, was just, I love the issue. I just I, I just yeah. felt really proud of myself for noticing yeah. that. <laughs> How dare you, Star Wars? Not put brackets there. No, uh, yeah, because what? Um, oh, I completely lost my train of thought. Anyways, it was good. You should pick it up. Crimson Rain Three was good too. Yeah. Kind of a weird like bottle issue. If almost. You know, it kind of a very isolated, single sort of thing. So, didn't really get a whole lot of growth about the story they're going and telling. But you know, it was still a lot of fun. Yeah, definitely worth. Reading. I think that this one held my interest the most out of the three we've had so far. Um, I really, you know, just getting the archivist backstory. I mean, you see that character for the first time, and you're like, "Whoa, what happened to her?" Uh, and so it was nice to to see that. There's some great callbacks to some other things in Star Wars in general, which was also very, very cool. So uh, I'm excited to see what happens next. And I think now that we we feel more connected to this character, I think it's only going to get better from here. Yes, Agreed. and as Jer- uh, as Jacob said, if you have not gotten any of these books, the links are below in the description, and so go ahead and pick those up. All right, let's get into what we're loving this week, and uh, the main thing that we're going to talk about here uh, is that our own Emma was on the Living Force this week, and this is uh, that we just happen to bring this up at, as no way to to skew the vote in any in any which way. This is just a recap of what happened never. earlier on Monday. But uh, Emma, go ahead and give us a little bit uh, of insight into what happened on Monday's show. Yeah, um, I had so much fun hanging out with uh, with Eric and Corey. We always have a ton of fun, but this was especially wild because for some reason we were just really. I mean. Yes, we drafted our characters, but we were also kind of like thirsting over a lot of our public characters for most of the time. <laughs> and um, it was a lot of fun. Uh, you know, we got some good co- uh, comics content in there with some uh, comics characters drafted. But I wanted to tell you guys, if you're watching this live, the vote is still going on. I'm in second place. We cannot let Corey win a draft ever. So I'm telling you, you got to go to the Living Forces Twitter 
vote for myself. Uh, my team, I have a really good team if I do say so myself. It's, um, let's see, I've got, uh, we were allowed to pick two Jedi Masters, two Knights or Padawans, one non-Jedi, and one villain. So my team is Stellan Geos, Buckets of Blood, uh, Vernestra Rowe, Orla Jereni, Zine Morala, and Lorna D. So pretty good team if I do say so myself. But everybody's team was really great because, I mean, name a bad High Republic character. I can't. I can't. Yeah, so it was a it was a lot of fun. Uh, uh, that, Ro, that, Ro, Ro's a one, bad character. He's a bad guy. Well, yeah, that he's one a bad scummy guy. ship dude in uh, Fallen mm. Star yeah. that Leox hates. Yeah, I, I would could, actually. I, yeah, that sucks. yeah, 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 yeah. I can see well, that. But anyways, the majority well, he, of them him, are great. So the he sucks. Yeah, he sucks on purpose though. It's so true. It, it shouldn't really count. Yeah, what the heck was his name? It's like on the tip of my tongue, but I don't. Even I know. know he was the owner of the Ace of Staves. That's the only thing I remember. That's exactly right. So yeah, go right. go back and watch that. Draft episodes are always some of my favorites. Uh, you know, we had Eric on for our comics creator draft, which is a blast. And I I jokingly said that we're gonna just fill up the summer with drafts. Um, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I am in charge of scheduling, so it's. <laughs> Coley Lynn Coley is the Lynn. Name. Okay. Lynn. Well, actually, speaking of yeah, that dude's so yeah, I was gonna say that's a, that's a forgettable name name anyway. It is it is forgettable. But the reason I thought I knew it is because I just worked on a video for the Fallen Star. I'm gonna plug something else because why not? Uh, tomorrow coming out, I have uh, a Fallen Star recap video here on YouTube. Um, we're trying to make more recap content using Charles's. Uh, you know, recaps that he makes for the living force because he works so hard on them. And then it's just kind of like over and we're like, oh, we should make more content out of this because personally, you know, when I'm going back reading through books or saying, hey, I read this, but I have no idea what happened. I always look on YouTube. There's never really great content uh, about, uh, you know, recaps on YouTube. So we're trying to fill that gap starting tomorrow. Fall and start recap. All right. If you are joining us live, uh, we've gone ahead and put the link in the chat. And if you are checking us out uh, sometime later this week, head over to Living Force Pod and vote for for anybody's team. But if you're going to vote for the best team, then vote for Emma because Emma's is clearly the best team. So, of course. All right. <laughs> we also have a one little piece of news that we want to share. And uh, Emma, I'm going to turn it right back over to you so you can go ahead and provide uh, provide us with this update. Yeah, absolutely. So some slightly Obi-Wan adjacent news. Uh, the writer of the upcoming Obi-Wan comic. Um, shoot, I didn't write down his name. Chris, Chris Cantwell. Cantwell. Chris Cantwell. Uh, he donated all of his earnings from uh, he wrote the United States of Captain America. Number one, uh, he donated all of his earnings from that issue to the Matthew Shepard Foundation in lieu of Florida's passing of the parental rights and education bill. Uh, and this is really cool because that issue actually features the first LGBTQ plus Captain America, which is absolutely amazing. And this cover is so awesome, by the way. Holy smokes. I love it. So um, we thought that was really cool. We saw that on Twitter. Uh, and it kind of brings us to another thing that we uh, didn't mention uh, last week, but we want to mention this week. Uh, we at Utini are really proud to uh, support the Amadala Initiative. Uh, we're backing it along with 76 other fan creators. Uh, it's a GoFundMe initiative backing Equality Texas in lieu of the harmful and, frankly, degrading policies towards trans youth and their families that have been instated recently. So the link to the GoFundMe can be found in the description, and any amount helps. If you can't donate, please follow and retweet the initiative on Twitter. They're at Amadala helps and uh thank you to everybody that put this together and we're really proud to uh to be shining some light on this 
Absolutely. And uh, Jacob, if we want to go ahead and make sure we put the the link to that in the show, in, in the live chat as well, so that if you guys are joining us live, you can head over there and support that yeah. uh, that initiative. As it well. should be in the description, but I'll put it in the chat as well, just so you can grab that quicker. Uh, but yeah. Okay. All right. Let us take a short break. And then uh, when we come back, we are going to be talking about the rise of Kylo Ren. So we will be right back. All right, we are back, and tonight we are talking The Rise of Kylo Ren, uh, a comic that is in the Utini Foundational 5 of comics. If you want to check out the rest of the Foundational 5, be sure to head over to utini.com. But tonight we're talking Rise of Kylo Ren, and of course the writer for this uh, was Charles Soule. The pencil, penciler and inker is, was Will Sliney. The colorist was Guru EFX. The cover artist was Clayton Crane and EM, EM Gist. Uh, and this was first published on December 18th, 2019. And that was actually two days before the ri- uh, the release of Episode 9. So let's go around the room as we always do. And let's give our initial rating, uh, a scale of 1 to 10. Uh, and I'm going to, uh, of course, since Caleb during the break pulled on his uh, his amazing snowcat. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to go to you first, sir. Perfect. And exactly why I needed another target. Um, yes. I would say this was a good issue. I really like this miniseries. I think I'll start with it high and maybe say like a 9.0 to start with. Yeah, I'll say 9.0. There's a lot of really good things here. It's a very contained story, so you don't really have to know too much before and after. But it still ties into a lot of the the series moving forward. You know, as the series and more Star Wars comics have been made specifically by Charles Soule, we get more and more information. So, yeah, I'll give it a full uh, 9.0. All right. Uh, I'm going to head over to Emma next. Emma, what is your initial score? Yeah, I'm going to give this one a 9.2. I really enjoyed this. When it came out, it felt like we were witnessing something really special in like the lore of Star Wars and of the sequel trilogy especially. Uh, There's a lot of great callbacks i think to some some sequel trilogy characters um i liked how they showed the like truly human and compassionate side of ben while also showing his darkness seeping through um i mean we get our first hints of the high republic that was wild Uh, although we didn't know it at the time you know we had no idea uh and yeah i just um it also made me think of the mandalorian not the mandalorian the book of boba fett too because of you know that that planet so um yeah i uh i really like it it's it's one of my favorite comic miniseries and it's on the foundational five for a really good reason because if i had to recommend any star wars uh series or miniseries for anyone to start with it would easily without a doubt be this one so great work 9.2 for me okay Jacob, what about you? Ooh, that's a tough question. I, you know, I don't go, I, I try not to go beyond halves because I'm, you know, I don't know. I'm bad. I'm bad at scoring things. Uh, so I'm going to do a 9.0 uh, as just like Caleb. I think it's a very good comic. It's, ooh, I don't think it, it definitely wasn't the first one I read in um, canon, but it definitely was earlier on in my canon comics experience. I think I started reading in like 2018 so not too far off from from here um and this around this time was when i was first starting to like really get uh deeper into canon and doing my own thing with that so it it, you know it's a it holds a special place in my heart um i think i actually bought 
issues on like marvel.com like through like the marvel unlimited because you can buy stuff on marvel unlimited's like uh ui instead of waiting for the three months for them to come out you can buy like individual issues and i think i bought like issue four because i didn't want to wait or something like which is the like the only time i've ever done that so yeah 9.0 very good um and i'm all you know even though i've i feel like i've read this like five or six times now i i'm never disappointed to come back to it so yeah so it was an interesting happened the interesting thing happened today when i was rereading this i i logged my my reread into goodreads and i noticed that i actually read this for the very first time one year ago today no uh, kidding so it was it is to the date that it was that it was uh my, my first read through and so my initial score is going to reflect that first score that I that I scored it on Goodreads. So on Goodreads, I rated it a four out of five. So I'm going to give it an 8.0 spoiler alert that will come up because as I read it a second time, now that we are a year later, it is so full of uh, Easter eggs and other connective uh, connective tissues that you really don't get to appreciate until you come back to it uh and until you're able to so if if you are new to comics i would i would absolutely uh recommend this book which is why it's in our foundational five but you have to come back to this after you get a little bit more into it to really fully appreciate what this what this book does so i'm using my my score from last year as my initial score i know it's lower but like i said i have i have a process that i'm going through tonight and 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 that uh, that is the start of it so uh, all right, uh, Caleb, let's go ahead and get into the summary. And you have luckily there's only four issues this time. So we each get a, get, a, get an issue. So, Caleb, you've got issue one. All right, let's kick us off. Issue one, The Rise of Kylo Ren. We start not with, uh, you know, with the Knight of Ren, not the actual Kylo part. We start with the Knights of Ren uh, doing a, a recruitment drive. Ren himself outlines the requirements of joining. One must be able to touch the shadow and make a good kill. We can have a very basic interview process. We then cut to Ben Solo, standing at the ruins of the Jedi Temple that we've seen happen a few times in the movies. Um, three fellow trainees arrive from off-planet, Henix, uh, Ty, and Vo. Appalled by Ben's claims of responsibility, the three vow to chase him down and bring Ben in. Ben himself retreats to the Amaxine Station. Yo, it was unnamed when the comic first came out, but we've now know it is the Amaxine Station, station where he meets a behatted Snoke, <laughs> who uh, who's the one who actually destroyed the temple with uh, the Force. Uh, ben says that he is now interested in joining the Knights of Ren, uh, and that is where the issue ends. We'll Bef- dig into before that we more. before we go into issue two. This is one of the few comics that the Living Force has actually reviewed, right? Is that where the Snowcat came from? Because I believe, I believe yes. so, yeah. Wasn't it a Charles thing? I know that, the Snowcat came from Charles. I just don't remember why they were talking about it. And I think it was because they were doing a, uh, a roundtable of this. I think Eric's in the chat, so maybe he'll be able to, to uh, uh, loop us in. But Snowcat is a very, is a very uh, popular th- image almost up there with naked palps but uh, yeah almost not not quite he's he's a little too clothed for that it's, <laughs> it's an, old, an old school utini meme yes like, absolutely 
this is the the level that uh, canon memes are at. It's good, but just not as risque as <laughs> as legends. I mean, we we literally sh- was it last week or the week before where we showed a naked silo mob. Like it's oh, oh I mean, it was just, it was. Yeah, so I don't know. Anyways, <laughs> sorry, I, d- yeah. I didn't mean to. Get, I issue. didn't mean to get us on attention. Go ahead. <laughs> on to issue two. Um, so uh, Ben has a flashback to t- a time when he and Lor Santeca went to go find a Jedi outpost on Elfrona. Not sure if that place sounds familiar to anyone, but uh, yeah, while they were there at this outpost, they were attacked by the Knights of Rin. Uh, while you know Luke is able to handle them. Uh, and disarming them because these people aren't really well trained in the force. Uh, but Ren, you know, realizing the situation he's in, uh, takes off his helmet and oh no, he's hot, uh, <laughs> and uh, leaves <laughs> leaves the helmet there behind. Uh, and um, you know, they uh, they retreat with when he has a bomb, uh, dead man trigger bomb lightsaber in his hand. Uh, and we cut back to the present. Where uh, Ben finds this helmet, uh, trying to find the Knights of Ren once again, but he's been tracked down by his uh, former uh, colleagues. Oh my goodness! Uh, issue three. I, ho- I hope I hope this doesn't Almost become another. Take there. Yeah, I-, I hope this doesn't become another <laughs> Living Force thirst session. But let's see. Let's see where we go. Um, all right. Issue three. Ben finds the Knights of Ren and starts his interview. Uh, when asked about his past accomplishments, Ben says that he's killed a Jedi as he recalls the fight with Ty, Vo, and Hennix. Uh, Ren interrupts and digs deeper into the past history of the three and them growing up together. Ben killed Hennix by returning a saber throw and trapped the other two in the temple. Ren allows Ben in as a junior member of the Knights, and they leave. They leave. <laughs> All right. Uh, issue uh, four, Tyler. All right. Wrapping this up. Issue four on the mine moon of Mimban. The Knights of Ren are searching for a guarded treasure. What is that treasure? It doesn't matter because that's not the point of of this little story. It is the means in which they go to find that treasure. Um, they end up cutting down the miners. Uh, Ty, but Ty and Vo do end up catching up with them, and a lightsaber duel commences. Ty tries talking to Ben at, to to walk back to the light, uh, but Ren interrupts him, snaps his neck, and kills Ty. Uh, and then an enraged Ben attacks and overpowers Ren, killing him while also taking taking control of the knights uh, the knights of Ren. Um, but we don't leave this book before he also kills uh, Vo. So a very Ben has has fully embraced the dark side uh, in this issue. And the issue and trade paperback ends with one of uh, the most iconic comic pieces of art that we have seen in canon. And that is, of course, Ben Solo bleeding his kyber crystal, embracing his new title as Kylo Ren. And that is how we are. We leave this book. So, uh, Tyler, I think I think you 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 mispronounced it's Ben Swolo. Oh, <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, you know, that- I, I thought we were not going to the thirst trap. Zone, <laughs> well, actually, we I, do, I do actually have something to say about this. Isn't he supposed to be like kind of a kid here? Like he is chat. <laughs> I, 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 I mean, <laughs> no, I, I don't. I, I, I'm sure I can find it on the timeline, but like, like, should I feel comfortable thirsting about this or not? It, 
Yeah, I think I think it, at, at the very least he is like your age, so I think you're fine. Fair. Okay, that's good. That's good. Like, who knows what they're feeding him at the Jedi Temple? Maybe you're getting like growth supplements. That's true. I mean, I, mean, they, I don't know. Maybe they had to build yeah, a like, temple and lift all the stones or something. I don't know. I don't know how early this is compared to Episode Seven, but I definitely, because of the one image we get to see of Ray, I definitely feel that it's closer to yeah, it than he, not so yeah I, I mean yeah and he's like he's like a decade older than ray yeah it's 28 bby you're you're or abby sweet, you're good sweet, you he's like, so he's like early 20s sweet okay. that's so. perfect yeah but yeah i i speak of i'm sorry i'm like jumping right into this i loved seeing ray oh my god that was so good as a ray stan i was like oh my goodness so this was in uh this was after Rise of skywalker right this came yeah. out two uh, days, pro- came two days out. prior to yeah. Rise of Skywalker. Okay, so he, the first so Soul must have known about the dyad thing then, right? He had to have. He, mm, uh, he might have not during his first draft, but hopefully he knew it, of it by the <laughs> yeah. time it was uh, sent in for final. Well, review. and we see like um, you know, Exegol, and we see Palpatine. Palps. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, yes. Palpatine and Leia. He's unfortunately and... closed, but that's okay. That's just because Soul played a lot of Fortnite and knew that you know, he was in there. <laughs> oh my god, that's good. <laughs> All right, Caleb, let's go ahead and get into our characters tonight. Uh, who exactly. is our first uh, deep dive character that we're that we're talking about? You know, one of these days, I think I might flip this under the head. But for now, we'll start with the most obvious pick, and that is Ben Solo himself, a.k.a. Kylo Ren. Uh, The man of the hour, the man of the mission. Uh, After watching his cast slide to the dark side, do we think he's a more complete character than we saw in the movies? Or is this just more icing on the cake here? Like, how do we feel after seeing his uh, his kind of prequel story? Uh, Do we like him more? Do we, you know, kind of the same ambivalent how do you guys feel about kylo ren after this series i have a lot of thoughts about this so i like him way more after reading this like it totally flipped my view of kylo on its head after reading this you know the first time you know back when it came out um because we find out something really huge that he didn't actually burn the temple like that's kind of a big piece of info um you know the other thing is like you know, we just get to see more of, I don't know, like his empathetic side. You know, in the movies, we really only see him going on like angry rampages and yelling at his underlings and, you know, hitting the walls of the saber. Like, that's all we really get to see of him until the very end when it's too late to actually enjoy that side of him. And of course, I mean, we get some of that here, too. Um, But I think I got more of a sense this time around that he reluctantly joined Snoke and the dark side. Uh, rather than he he did it willingly and that made me feel better about his journey and how it how it ended it just i don't know something about it just it settled really well with me compared to what i got out of him from the movies i i i would agree with that in that you almost sort of see kylo in the movies i could i could i could make an argument that you see him acting like a bad guy he's not a bad guy he wants to be a bad guy He's acting like a bad guy should act, but he, in his heart, he doesn't really come off as a bad guy. And this kind of explains why. Like, and this is something that we were that we were talking about uh, in in the pre-show. Sliney captures Ben's doubt. I feel like a half dozen times throughout this throughout this this trade paperback. The 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 passing glance, the the look back over his shoulder, the 
you know, look of horror when he drops uh, Vo. Uh, you know, he he's never fully committed to the dark side. He never really embraces this fall. And I think that that I wouldn't say it makes him a more complete character, but I think it helps tell a better story. It, it provides a, it provides a more fulfilling ending and an explanation for the Ben that we get and Kylo that we get in the movies. Absolutely. Yeah, I, uh, just real quick. In it, when I first saw episode seven, like every time I saw Kylo Ren acting out and being aggressive, I'm like, Oh, he's putting on a mm-hmm. show. He's trying to impress not necessarily uh, himself to that to a degree, but the stormtroopers around him. He's putting out that aura of I'm as dangerous as my grandfather, as um, as Darth Vader. Hux was a bad guy, like, you know, Mm. and, and Snoke was a bad guy. Vader, Tarkin, like there was not a good. Oh, I shouldn't say that about Vader. The other guys, there was not a good bone in their body. And and you you it, he just. Kylie never never showed that. Uh, I, you know, I mean, he had glimpses of it, but you took his entire as and most of his arc in the movies, and he doesn't really get to that level. Yeah, I don't know. I think I feel like so. I feel like I have the the hot take here on this mm-hmm. one. I it, I I definitely have softened on this view over time. Well, okay, for starters, yes, is like just to say outright, this makes his character much. This comic makes his character more deep and interesting and complex and. I I think adds a lot to the character. However, when I read it, you know, I I I know a lot of people that shared the opinion with you guys that, you know, this isn't his fault. He's kind of pushed into the scenario. I read it. I'm like, this dude's an adult. Like, are there's a lot of events that push him in that direction. But like at the end of the day, I feel like you know, he still had a decision he could have made to uh, not join the dark side and still did so. So like. But I, I I sympathize with the fact that like all these things keep happening to him that like push him down this path. But like at the end of the day, it's his decision to like keep walking down it when he, when we get to that point. So I'm, I'm, I I don't think he feels that he had a choice because he has that discussion with. Yeah, no, I I I, I don't disagree with that, but he did. <laughs> <laughs> he, he he might think he didn't, but like. Did I just get lawyered? Did I just get lawyered? No, no, you did not. Ethically, you did not. Uh, no, like he might, he might not have thought he had one, but like you know, do you not have free will? Like, oh, teen angst. My name is fake. My my de- solo's not a real name, and I never met Ben. This is not my real name. I want to be called Kylo. It's like, okay, dude. Like, no one chose their name. Like, okay. Uh, like this, like you're okay. 18, you can so, change it. so maybe I, I'm, be, I'm being hyperbolic. Maybe I do enjoy this comic, be, but I think it's kind of silly at times. Maybe <laughs> instead of, and this is something that I think we might get to uh, in, in the discussion parts. Maybe instead of being taught how to be, instead of being provided a Jedi teacher, he should have just been, been provided a therapist. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's like the, that's the case with like everyone, though. Like, <laughs> we should all do therapy. An- An- <laughs> Anakin could, Anakin Skywalker could have really benefited from some couples therapy. I'll Listen, say that right I'm now. telling you, if um, if the Jedi had therapy, if Padme had an OBGYN, things would be better. You know, hey, look, yeah, like, um, oh god, Elzar Man got like some like light therapy from Orla like once, and it like changed his life. Exactly, That's, and, and then some. 
and then some bad things happen, but we don't talk about that. So what you're trying to say is that insurance premiums must be insane in the Star Wars universe for people not to be uh, engaging in those healthcare sort of things. You know, I bet Alderaan has single payer healthcare, and that like thrills me. <laughs> oh my gosh! But yeah, yeah everywhere and that's else. That's why I was too dangerous to be left alive. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I mean, Empire, Empire saw that taken and cut out of their out of their profits, and they're like, all right. That's the real reason they want you to this know. This is coming too close to school because I'm taking a health economics class right now and I hate it. So <laughs> move along. Oh, okay. Moving along. So, hold, so well, before we do, uh, Justin makes makes a good comment in the uh, in the in the chat that I wanted to say. It says it kind of makes him a Jamie Lannister esque arc where his whole life gets ruined by a series of misunderstandings. <laughs> Have you read the book? Because he definitely banged his sister. He definitely okay. Did. Well, we didn't need to his go there. Twin sister. We're, that's not. That's not. The, he's talking about the king's yes, part. Yes, yes. He is talking which, about. Yeah. It's like Caleb. Where are you going with, with this, bro? Yes. <laughs> we're not. Yeah. Okay. We're, we're setting that part aside. I. Who cares? I, uh, that's I, not, I, yeah, I can now. see where Justin's coming from. In, in yeah, the king slayer. Yes. Yeah, with the whole yeah, he, he basically he he killed the king because the king was going to burn the entire kingdom down. And he had to so, live with the they, guilt of, of spoilers. The, yeah, and he had to live with the guilt of being nicknamed the Kingslayer for his entire life, and and live up to all of that. And instead of being able to say, "Well, no, I didn't kill him just because I wanted to. I killed him because he was crazy. And he was going to kill all of you." So, exactly. anyways, Jamie Lasser is probably my favorite character in the Game of Thrones series. You know, yeah. sister and all. So I like I like that redemption arc, and that's kind of what we got a little bit with. Uh, Kylo yes, here. so I I, I agree, and I appreciate Justin's point in there. So I just wanted to, wanted to point that out. Absolutely. So I do. The next kind of point here is we did see a little bit, just a flash of him training with his uncle Luke. Um, how like that was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed him like traveling the galaxy and doing like oh go- golly another uh, like school trip to an ancient undiscovered Jedi temple with my uncle and his weird friends like do we want to see more of that would we like to see like a series and continuation of those stories or would we like to see where this story goes from afterwards like his joining the first order because the first order is never really directly mentioned and he still goes and joins and becomes like the ace of that whole uh, organization so where do we want to see his story fleshed out from here so this is a complicated question because if I'm going to see any of it, I would rather see his indoctrination into the First Order. However, how would that be different than some of the things that we've seen in Vader over the last few years? And, and, and I feel like that could be too similar a concept. I'm kind of I, I, I'm kind of good with with Kylo's story. I, I, I don't necessarily I would welcome more. But I don't if, – if you're giving me a whole list of store, additional stories that I want, more from him is is not high on that list. And it's not because I don't like him. I just think I, I like what we have and I think that we have enough for right now. You know, I think it would make a lot of sense for him to – him and Lor Santeca to find their way into the shadows of the Sith book. I'm just going to throw that out there. If, uh, if Luke's going after Ochi and – that, that we could finally have an explanation to why like Kylo freaks out when uh he like hears it's a girl in the Force Awakens <laughs> if he has some background knowledge of what's going on there. But that would be really cool, and I'm here for that. We'll, yeah, we'll but see. again, let's all we'll manage our expectations, the, 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 of course. 
<laughs> yes, yeah. It, I'm, it's that, that'll be fun. It's Luke Skywalker and Lando, yeah. so that'll be fun. Oh, it'll be great anyway. What happens? Yeah. yeah, who's writing that one again? Do we? Know? Adam Christopher. Okay, perfect. So maybe we'll get some fleshed out from that one. Personally, I think I would like to see more young man uh, Ben Solo, just because I think that's a untapped resource, and I want to see. I want to see more of that, and it's nice to see Luke at the aspect and apex of his power. So, more of that would be nice. Alright, now, speaking of people at the at apex of their power structure here, let's talk about the man with the band, Mr. Uh, Rin himself. Uh, this antagonist, he was, like, a lot more chatty than you would normally associate, like, a super dark side warrior to be, you would think. Um, you know, uh, how do you guys feel about, like, all of his dialogue, the way of his chatting, his, like, objective hotness? Like, was he, what the sort of, when you heard, like, he's the leader of the Knights of Ren, is this the sort of character you envisioned? And how did he fulfill your expectations of his arc? Well, for me, the first thing I noticed as a leader of the Knights of Ren is I was shocked he had any dialogue. Um, so that was pretty cool because yeah, he, he yeah. was saving. They, they were all uh, accumulating all that dialogue points to give to one person. Yeah, yeah. Remember, it's like it's like okay, the Force Awakens, the Knights of Ren show up in like one scene. Then uh, Last Jedi, they literally never show up, and then Rise of Skywalker, they show up to get killed. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. So. The, I was like, "Whoa, he talks!" So that was and pretty a cool. Lot. Yeah, he's 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 a chatty Kathy. Do we get confirmation that he's a force user, or does he just? Yes. Or um, does he just? Yeah, remember he he he. he forced, oh, that's right. Uh, that's right. He does. He, in the first in the first few pages, he does levitate the the lightsaber. Okay, thank you. And he ki- yep. and he and remember he kills uh kills Ty. uh Ty yeah with the force. Okay, he snaps his neck. That's right. Okay. That was, the, that was the first few pages, so that's why I, I forgot about that. Thank you. Yeah. One thing I found really um, interesting about him is that he's very visually interesting. Like, you know, yes, he's really chatty, but also, you know, what kind of antagonist just, like, walks around without a shirt on? I don't know. It's like, I mean, not that that's, like, interesting in, like, any kind of way, but I'm just saying, like, you know, he's all charred. And was it just me, or did, were you under the impression that he, like, he did that to himself with the lightsaber? That's oh, always kind of yeah. Like, yeah. I think there was like there's a scene where he's holding his lightsaber. I think he's, he's like, like singeing he's like grabbing it with his hand. It. Yeah. Okay. So. Because I also f- I felt that I saw him more singed in, or maybe maybe I should say less singed in the flashback part of the of the issues than oh, he was in the the current timeline. His chest I'll take was. It back I'm and also look, pr- honestly. Yeah, I'm not. I'm. I like it could have just been my interpretation, but I felt that his chest in the flashbacks was more skin toned. And in the current timeline, it was more of that gray, hardened. I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty sure. I'm like definitely sure that it's less charred in Crimson Rain, if that helps. Okay. Like, I think he just looks like kind of like a normal dude in that one. Answering answering Caleb's question from what do we want more of, you know, from from Kylo? I don't want anything more, more from Kylo. I want more from Ren. And like, I want to know his backstory. And I, I wait a month. I was going to say, I know we're getting that. And that's what I'm excited for, because like, as as Jacob, you just alluded to the Knights of Ren are this like, who are they? <laughs> they're this like they're this group of people that we hear have heard so much about. And we have like less content than what we had with Boba Fett 
when in your, during the the original trilogy. Yeah, if if anyone in this chat can without um without looking it up, give me the name of three knights of Ren right now. Oh, uh, I I might be able to. <laughs> Emma, okay. What what do you got? Um, I can think of two right now. They all just left me like simultaneously. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I was so confident. It's because it's because all the like Lego little figures have them, uh, and I felt really can confident you t- for a second. Can you tell me definitively? How many people make up the Knights of Ren? Eight. It dep- <laughs> that that didn't sound confident. I think it sounded like, confident, but I, I don't think know if in the movie right. it's. I think in the movie it's. Five, I think I, yeah, right? eight sounded high to me, there's, but I don't. I don't. I don't know. There's the I'll one. The, the two I know of are I can think of right now. Are, there's Applek. <laughs> uh, there's Vicruel. Uh, Jared is obviously right. Jared yeah, he it. says Huey, Dewey, Jared, and Louis. Jared's right. Yeah. There's there's um. <laughs> Kylo, <laughs> no, uh, yeah, Applek and Vicro are like the only ones I can think of off the top of okay. my head. They're like, does anyone, anybody want to take a final guess at the number? Um, it's five. Uh, well, I, I, do, I, I just, I, I just went to yeah, the walk. I know the number changed. I just went time, to the walk. In and the a, movie, it's five. It's Emma. Do you have Emma? Do you? Have, yes. Yeah, I would say according to the walk, it's six. Does that count, Kylo, or no? Uh, it does not appear to. Vicro, no. Cardo, Ushar, Trudgeon. Kirk and Applek. So that does not include Ren himself, and so that does not it, include Kylo. So I'm going to give Emma the credit there and yeah, say there was there was right, eight yeah. there was eight number eight members. Yes. Emma I'll gets the point. There are also some other different members in um, Crimson Rain. Rain. Like we Rain. see we see Catman uh, one, oh, and yeah. we see a Twi'lek one. And they bite the dust though. They yeah, yeah. yeah. So the. The Knights of Rind are obviously a very powerful, like, subgroup, and all of them are, at some point, Force-sensitive. That's kind of one of the requirements. But where do they learn their Force powers? Are these all, like, natural, like, instinct-taught people, or do you think they have any formal training from Snoke slash Palpatine himself? I think they have, like, no training. Yeah, I agree. Like, I th- yeah. Like, they, 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 you know, like Luke says, like, you wield it like a, like a bludgeon or hammer yeah. or something like that, and, you know they're like surprised when Ben can do like real things with the force. So like, wait, what? <laughs> like you can use mind trick and not just uh, yeah. murder. Yeah. I think that, you know, it's, it's their, their latent force ability, like lets them like, they're better fighting. Probably they might have some, like some better, like instinctual like abilities, but yeah, I don't think they definitely don't have any real training. And I think that's probably on purpose. Like, I don't think Snoke was a lot of powerful, force users wandering around the galaxy he just needs them needs them as powerful as uh to as they need to be to finish the job um and and again obviously they're at least somewhat disposable and technically they're not dark side users or sith because uh, i I mean yeah definitely not rule of two yeah so i think they're just dark side users maybe i mean because like they can they can tap into it kind of probably like that's a, one of the prerequisites being able to touch the dark. Yeah, you got to touch the shadow. Shadow, yes. So that is a question is, are they, you know, I guess we'll maybe see more in Crimson Reigns. Like, this question might not have an answer, but was this something that the Emperor knew of and allowed to exist? Or were they acting in counter to his wishes? I don't know yet. Read Crimson <sighs> Reign Volume 4, maybe? What it uh, issue 4, yeah. It, it's hard for me to think that... At least at okay back at least back in 
okay, at this time, you know, obviously the emperor knows about it and is condoning it or at least allowing it to happen. Back during Crimson Reign, I'm not so sure that would be the case based on what the mission of that overall comic series is going towards. So, um, yeah, I'll just leave it at that. Perfect. All right. Speaking of, uh, you know, going on, let's switch gears a little bit. And we were talking about a dark side force user. Let's talk about some light side force users. Uh, Ben's fellow apprentices. Uh, again, Hennix, Vo, and Ty. The first one, let's get this out of the way. Hennix, the Corian, dies halfway through the series. Uh, as we talked about, there was a, uh, a scuffle. He threw a lightsaber at Ben. Ben reflected it. And, and Hennix, rather than jumping out of the way, tried to stop it, but got bisected. Uh, was his death, like, the end? Was, like, him dying, like, the last chance that Ben had to redeem himself? Or do you think that was still a, an atonable accident? Was did Ben kill him on purpose, or did it? Um, was it just something unforeseen? I mean, he did. He did I literally say, he... "I don't want to kill you. Please leave me alone." Yeah. So, I mean, uh, I, you know, in all, like, yes, he did do the killing, but he tried to say, like, "Y'all better get away from me, or else you know something bad is gonna happen." So. I definitely blame him for his death because he did actually do the thing, but you know, he 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 tried to be he tried to hold on to that like goodness for as long as he could. Yeah, I you know I definitely think because I, I I don't think that, that was like the the last straw because I do I honestly do think that if Rin didn't kill uh, Ty, then things probably would have been different. Um, I think he probably could have swayed him at least to like, maybe like stop and reconsider. Um, but then also, yeah, I also would argue that regardless, this is not like the last irredeemable act because he then goes on to be a genocidal maniac for like several years <laughs> and is redeemed in the end. So, uh, you know, it's insane with Vader. Everybody like, has a redemption story a, a in Star Wars. A redemption. They might not let you live after that, um, but you can be redeemed regardless of what happens. Except for Palpatine, that's like the one dude that like can't be redeemed. But that's you know, well, this never is, say this never. Huge meta Star Wars question. You know, like that's the whole point of the Jedi is everyone can be redeemed eventually. Maybe Palpatine could be redeemed, and I think that's like the core of the Jedi the, issue. Nah, that just goes again. I think that just like could okay could it in the universe? That's a maybe, that's a Star Wars. That's a Star Wars. What if? Exactly. Yeah, from a storytelling perspective, I just don't think it makes sense. Not really. Like he is the embodiment of ultimate evil but i think it's something that a jedi would always try to give him a chance maybe speaking of giving people chances though uh you know though the more aggressive of the three like right out the gate you know they come back to the uh to the temple they see it burning they see ben there ben says don't follow me and she's immediately like ah oh, we gotta follow him it was her insistence in like single-mindedness pursuit of ben the right option like even ty calls it out like i think we need to go tell his mom and tell other people but she says no we have to find ben like obviously it makes a good story for the chase but do we think she made the right decision there so i i have this as one of our discussion questions and i and, and i think we it's it's fine to bring up now is that is the Jedi, we see the Jedi being rebellious, these three being rebellious in, in, in this, in a bad way. First, 
they they decide they they make the decision even though we know Ben is much stronger than us we're not going to tell anybody we're just going to go off on our own and go find him even not going to tell Leia not going to tell Han not going to tell anybody and then Vo continuing to be kind of on her own is this a con- Jedi failure as a whole or is this just Padawans being Padawans and saying I'm the king of the world, you know, the equivalent of, of modern day teenagers. I'm invincible and I can do whatever I want. Hmm. Like, that's a hard discussion question, because I said we don't know how good of like we don't know how good of a teacher Luke was to these uh, people. Like, we know Luke is a very powerful um, Jedi master, but like, I think it's, he's not the best teacher yeah. because he didn't have. I think that's something that we've seen a little bit in Mandalorian or Mandalorian season <laughs> book of Boba Fett uh you know he wasn't an amazing teacher to uh to Ray uh he didn't even barely taught his own sister I feel like they're trying to set up the fact that Luke was a flawed individual and that his biggest failing was that he felt the extreme pressure to to pass on his rules and his uh knowledge but he failed in that execution there so Again, this is me reading very deeply into this, and maybe incorrectly, but I feel like Luke um, ultimately felt like his his training of these people, of his students, was a failure. So that's why he retreats to the uh, planet and, you know, the, the Force Awakens to try to essentially atone for his uh, inability to save the galaxy once and for all. Emma, do you have any thoughts on 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 Vo as a character, or just as as you know the more the more general question of brashness and rebelliousness uh, of of these Jedi Padawans? I guess not really yeah. even Jedi. I think Vo is probably my favorite out of the three of them. I thought she was like she looked at the situation more maturely. I would say because I feel like Henix. And Ty kind of had more of like a personal connection to them, uh, to Kylo. So, yeah, I mean, I liked her character, although I I remember seeing like when this comic came out, a lot of people said that she was like annoying or something. Um, But like, I I never really got that. I don't know. Um, I'm glad. I don't know. I, I, I hope that we see more about these padawans in the future. And I think I think honestly we we might we might go backwards a little bit because of what we've seen of, you know, the beginnings of Luke's temple. I hope we like this panel that's up on the screen right now. I, ho- I hope we get to see that. You know, see them like learning how to, you know, it's I know it's more than lifting rocks, but lift rocks. <laughs> yes. And one thing we've definitely established is even if there is a galactic-wide purge of Jedi, there are still ones that'll flip through, fit through the cracks. So who knows how many of these uh, people actually survive this whole uh, um, you know, era of Jedi hunting? It's not like the um, the uh, First Order was in control of the galaxy for a terribly long time. Yeah, they also had like, yeah, I don't, okay, I'm. Uh, I don't need to get into like the there. There's people on debate on the internet that will debate over the borders of the first order and how much area of the galaxy they actually controlled. It's less than you'd think, I believe. Like they've shown it in, I think it was in like that uh, battles of the gal or the whatever the there's the um, insider edition whatever battles mm. book yeah. that I think showed that they'd actually didn't 
they didn't have like full control of the entire galaxy, which I think makes sense for, you know, kind of a startup military operation with no like real governmental force. Um, but anyways, yeah, I, you know, please give me Ezra or Cal Kestis or someone to make it through. Yes. I, but but uh, I think now that um, Book of Boba Fett has told that story um, of like the start of this academy, I think we are hopefully going to be allowed to see some of these more some more of these stories come up through either comics or, you know, comics would be great. I will take novels too, but yeah, I, I hopefully we'll get a little bit more of that soon. Absolutely. So speaking of inner uh, training there, and the very last one we want to talk about is Ty, maybe my favorite of the three apprentices. He was the closest to Ben in many, many ways. Uh, there's a big like kind of uh, like bouncing point where him and Ben are fighting, uh, and Ben disarms him and is standing over Ty ready to deal a killing blow but just cannot do you think ben could have ever really killed ty without being pushed over the edge as uh Bryn did to kill him or do you think your connection was too deep what do you think of the connection between these two i mean i could tell that they I definitely had a really strong connection when they were kids like you know how like when you're in school when you're young and you always kind of have this like one really like good friend like that's that's kind of like what what I viewed them as like, I imagine that Ben was kind of felt um, like lonely at the temple because I bet a lot of the kids were like, Oh, you know, teacher's pet, you know, his teacher's the, his uncle <laughs> teacher's nephew. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I bet he felt, I bet he felt kind of lonely and maybe, maybe Ty, I mean, he might've been the only one that was like somewhat friendly with him, I guess. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I, I think If Ben ended up killing Ty, we get a much more, I can't think of the word right now, committed bad guy. Complete villain. Yes. I, I think I think that, that that is something that he could never have, have, have uh, forgiven himself for, which would have driven his anger and driven his hatred and driven his fuel. And we would have gotten a much different kylo ren if he would if, if he would had actually done that so i'd agree perfect. yeah like he, he didn't like i don't know if like ren really was his good kill because i don't think like he doesn't have like an emotional attachment to right ren the way right. he did like ty so and, and i think like after he's done after like killing ren he's just like you know whatever like just I don't think if if he had to pick one he liked the least it was probably Vo to begin with so <laughs> uh yeah they they didn't they seem like they butt heads a lot more naturally than uh him and Ty so yeah all right we've got a couple of discussion questions that I wanted to present to the to the group here uh our first one we all know that Snoke was created for some uh, reason that we haven't fully been uh, been provided yet, and um, we were able to. It was. Uh, it, do we think this was the reason that Snoke was created? It was to, was to turn Ben all along. Absolutely, I am personally convinced of that. Um, I, it makes perfect sense that you know 
Emperor Palpatine would essentially create a puppet to go to and try to corrupt Ben Solo, the next, you know, in the era of the Chosen One sort of series. And, like, he tried to do it with uh, Luke, but failed. Then the next one in line would be Ben. So, of course, he would want to try to approach him and do that. Of course, now, Ben, being a at least a decent student, would have known that, oh, yeah, this dude called Emperor Palpatine is a bad dude and obviously evil. But by creating essentially a persona, like a fake person with a new past to try to corrupt him, like that's such a perfect opportunity to get into Ben's psyche there. Like if he had approached as Palpatine, there's no way that uh, Ben would have uh, fallen for that, I don't think. So, yeah. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, this I would is just where. Say that, like, oh, go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead, Emma. No, I was gonna say this is where I get a little, a, a little lost in the timeline here because technically Palpatine yeah. is dead, but mm-hmm. yes. he's not. So, how, like, I like from a logic perspective, it's like how can Palpatine influence Ben more, uh, more directly when he doesn't exist? Obviously, he does, and we just don't realize it. But it's just it's it's hard to fill in those. That's a very core piece of information that I, that I need in order to understand all of this. Yeah, I mean, I agree that it's yeah, it's confusing, but I think I think that Snoke was honestly created to influence someone. I don't know if that was Ben like specifically, but I think I think that like the plan all along was like for Palpatine to be influencing someone. Who is the right person? I think he was probably waiting to see, and it just happened to be Ben because he comes from these, you know, or at least one person very strong in the force, another, you know, with great piloting skills, things like that. And I think maybe he just pounced on the opportunity and had Snoke be his like vehicle to the living world. Otherwise, how could he get anything done? You know, you know he was yeah. kind of stuck on exit for the longest time exactly i mean at least he gave him a nice yeah. hat when he left but <laughs> <laughs> he did give him a nice hat you know it's probably quite the upgrade going to uh the maxine station after living in a test tube for a while uh, yeah. on exegol so Great point because in in from a t- went from a test tube to a uh oh what's that thing uh you know, the uh, the uh, the sealed jar with the food with the uh, oh like a like a greenhouse oh, the terrarium uh, oh a terrarium ter- terrarium yes <laughs> yes yes that's about to say and, and we're we're led well. to believe that his disfigurement was caused by Luke right isn't that isn't that what's he sort of implied that. by Ben in at the end of uh, of issue one yes and that they didn't flesh that out maybe. There was like a force battle that, you know, Snoke came in and destroyed the temple. Maybe Luke reached out to yeah. the force. There's some sort of fight there. But Who at knows? the same time, like Snoke in a jar still has like the same scar down his forehead or whatever. Like, so I don't. Uh, yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of questions they around Snoke. And, yeah. But anyways, so we'll, let, let's move on from that. And let's uh, there are a lot of uh, Easter eggs and, and teases for the High Republic. Um, was there a bigger tease all along in the Knights of Ren being sort of Nihil copycats or legacies? You know, they wear masks. They were all across the galaxy. Uh, they have a we take what we want because we are strong philosophy. They don't really have a central purpose, excluding Martian Rowe, but they, they just kind of do what they do because they want to do it. So are we seeing kind of co- Nihil copycats? It's actually a great point that I have literally never thought of before. 
I mean, if we ever see the Nihil get like a force connection ever, like, I mean, they, well, I kind of do already with the leveler, but, um, you know, that's, and that's an interesting, you know, maybe that is the connection that we, that we, maybe. that we haven't seen yet. Yeah. I mean, if we ever see yeah. like a very solid connection between the Nihil and the force, I will be a thousand percent convinced that they turn into the Knights of Ren at some point. Like, I, I can mean, see they, that too. Yeah. They, they follow like, like a, a really strong singular leader that is intimidating. He's also kind of sexy. Also kind of sexy. <laughs> You're Very not true. wrong. You're not wrong. Maybe, maybe that's just a requirement. Who knows? Um, I could totally see that. I love that. Yeah. My, I, I, my guess is, uh, so obviously the nine will have to go away in some capacity. I think they get like in phase three, they get absolutely just like, pounded by the republic like just completely annihilated like wiped off the face of the galaxy at some point like like they can't just like be allowed to like go off quietly Mm -hmm. like they have to like suffer like extreme losses and i just think there might be like a small group of them that like somehow like makes it out and then like goes off and like runs off into like the unknown regions or wild space or something like that and then maybe maybe the knights are in coming out i don't know yeah I, or maybe just the Knights of Ren were just like, what's our aesthetic? And they went through a history book and like, ooh, these Nihil guys in that one. <laughs> look at those fun masks. That's retro. I like it. <laughs> All right. And our last discussion question. We don't see Han Solo at all in this entire book. We see Leia for two panels. There's one, I believe, in issue four. And then I believe there's one in issue one or two when the uh, when the Padawans are discussing whether or not they, they, they want to go talk to her. Um is this absence do we are we supposed to take this absence as a metaphor for their absent parenting uh as being famous parents and politicians and smugglers who do whatever they want are 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 we supposed to to imply that they were absent parents and if so how much of that absence do we think has added to their sons being in the position that 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 he is in hmm well, we know that he at least would visit them sometimes. I don't think, well, probably not Han, let's be real, but like he visited Leia sometime because like when he hopped in a ship at the very beginning, he's like, do you want me to go? You want to go see That's your true. mom? He's like, nope. So uh, like at least like he got some like visit, maybe got to visit on weekends. I don't know how that, that But I, al- I also feel, to- doesn't he kind of say in anger at some point in the sequel trilogy that he was left with his uncle Luke? Probably, yeah, I think. Mm. Well, we also know that that he's a very emotional sort of thing. He, he has, likes he has to some, play up his own victim a, complex. Again, so. it just comes back to the the dude needed some therapy. <laughs> um, probably would have solved a lot of his issues. Yes, Justin says without a doubt, Ben has abandonment issues. Yeah, I mean, yeah. wasn't it in like um, I don't know, aftermath or like um, maybe like Bloodline or something that talked about how Han was gone a lot. And, you know, obviously Leia was... That was Bloodline. That was Bloodline, yes. Yeah, so, like, I think there's definitely, you know, some some evidence there to show that he's, uh, you know, he he has some emotional... so, I'm going to bring it back to Dr. Phil so we, again. Uh, he, I was going to say, so we need some family counseling. Yeah. Yeah. So, so not only does Ben himself need some person, need a personal therapist, but we need to go to, we need to have some solo yes. family counseling here. Absolutely. Really, really kind of discuss this, this family think, dynamic here. Cause I it's think clearly we need not right into Dr. Phil say, Dr. Phil, it's <laughs> urgent and we need your help. This could be life or death because it is. 
Or a galaxy. <laughs> or a galaxy. Yeah, who, okay, let's. Uh, who would be the best therapist in the Star Wars universe at this time period Ooh. for the Solo family? Okay, so we're talking best or most efficient. Because yeah, I could argue I, I, that I Yoda could thing. be the best, but nobody, but Yoda could be, would be the best, but well, nobody would understand what the hell he's saying. That's so, I, I, I want to go. I, mm, I was gonna say like I want to go with someone that's alive, but like we know so little about this time period that that's gonna like constrain us. I quite actually a think bit. I have a really good answer. Um, okay. Maz Kanata. I, I think she'd be good. Okay. She's very wise. I, I like that one. I think she. I like that more than around too. the block. Okay, but what about this okay. one? And this he is here, and he knows the family very well. And he's programmed with over six thousand six oh million God. forms of communication. <laughs> no, get out like of emotional here. communication have to be one of them. No. Han will never accept that. Is the well, problem. that's his own problem. Like that's well, the yeah, problem. But you got you to have to have buy this. you have to have buy in from your clients. I okay, I'm a I'm a th- if Andrew Bell listens to this episode, you're you tag me in Slack. Uh I think we need to bring in the only character I know of that has actual therapist experience oh in Star Wars, and that's <laughs> ITO. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. The uh, torture droid? The torture droid turned therapist in Alphabet Squadron. Oh my god. Oh I actually love that so much. <laughs> <laughs> it, is it morbid? But yeah, but like, you know. Yeah, but it's also it's morbid, Ben killing his childhood friends. Yeah, Ben's already, Ben's already emo, so like it kind of Yeah, works. I think I think they'd be good friends, honestly. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here racking my brain. I'm trying to think of a solid dare i say wholesome family in star wars that doesn't have issues and i'm really struggling right now mm. I, I i think every single i mean most of the time we we we, we, we spend with the solo or with the skywalker solo family so which is uh, 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 uh. what do you got bail and leia yeah, Bale, yeah, and his adopted daughter. That's Leia. true. That might Bale, be it. Bria, and like Leia? she didn't even she never knew that she was adopted. One, they're keeping a secret, but two, like him and his wife were like you know perfectly adopting of this like strange baby that they found, and you know she never once questioned that she was of the same lineage. I mean, the Larses were pretty tight. Yeah, but I'm, I'm but I'm like, I'm pretty sure we're gonna we're gonna learn in the, in, well, in May yeah. that they were not that they weren't the <laughs> I mean, the best fi- parental seems figures. Like, seems like there is about to be they some issues, but like especially in Attack of the Clones, yeah. they like welcomed in Padme. I thought that was so sweet. I think you know Owen and Brew did the best with a very difficult situation they were put it's in. True, mm-hmm. it's true. I mean, what, what yeah. would you do if an old wizard came to your door with a baby and said, "Here, take this baby." Yeah. Yeah, here's this baby. By the way, his father might come and murder you. But here's this baby. Have fun. <laughs> but don't change his name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll be right over there. If All right. Me. Well, that uh, is. Yeah, I, I, I can't. I can't think of a good answer. So I, I think that either Bale, uh, Bale might be the might, might be the best, um, or or Maz, Maz. But Maz is gonna Maz is gonna I think still talk in riddles a little bit. Uh, so I don't I don't necessarily know if if Han is gonna, would have the patience for Ma, for Maz. Yeah, I mean so. I just find it I find it fun when people talk in riddles. I mean not if I needed something serious though. So I, I see your point. <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and start wrapping the show up, and we are gonna go ahead and give our final ratings. As a reminder, our initial ratings: Caleb gave it a nine, Emma gave it a nine point two, Jacob gave it a nine, and I gave it an eight. Caleb, let's go ahead and start with you. 
Uh, and uh, what is your final score for this? You know, I think I'm going to keep this as a 9.0. It has a few minor issues, but overall, I think this is a fantastic story. I'm really glad I read it. Easily a uh, great stopping on point if you've never really gotten into the comics before. I've read this maybe now like three or four times, and every time I read it, I enjoy it more. So, yeah, 9.0, solid, you know, you know, A-plus deserves its uh, place in our foundational five. All right, so that goes from a 9 to a 9.5. Emma, your original score is a 9.2. Your final score is what? Uh, I think I'm going to stay... Uh, uh, I think I'm going to go bump it up a tiny bit to a 9.3 because, I don't know, I always like our conversations and I feel like it makes me see it in a different light, so I would feel weird if I didn't increase it a tiny bit. Um, I, I just still think that this improves, especially after this conversation, I realized how much it improved Ben's character, like, especially in the movies with Kylo and, and stuff. I, I didn't, I don't think I realized how much it affected me in that way. And just it, uh, the tie-ins to the Rise of Skywalker, I think also kind of tied up a few loose ends. And just, yeah, I mean, seeing that he has always had a soul, he's never wanted to, he's never wanted to hurt anyone. And I think that's really important for people to know. If there's anything to say about it, I, I guess I wish that this would have been shown in like TV or movies so that right. other people could know so too. Because I think I think it's a great story that um, you know really makes you look at the sequel trilogy quite a bit different. And I, I wish that more people got to experience it that way. All right, we got a nine point five. We've got a nine point three. Jacob, uh, are we are we sticking with the nine, or are we we increasing increasing your score as well? I think I'm going to stick with a nine just on the principle that I like to keep it to halves and I don't know if it's enough to put me up to a 9.5 it closer to a 9.5 than a 9.0 but I'm gonna stick at the 9.0 um that didn't make sense we're anyways 9.0 uh <laughs> I, it's <laughs> no rounding in in uh in um my arbitrary universe of scoring um yeah I think it was a very good book I <sighs> obviously this added a lot to a character that i think needed it um and my my one com i actually was talking about this earlier before we went live my one complaint is like like the art the quality of the art is fantastic there are just a few times throughout the series that i'm not really sure what is happening like some action shot where it's like like they're specifically the one this is so nitpicky but like there's like when him and Ty are fighting at the end, like there's like it shows his wrist go like this and his lightsaber fly out of his hand. And I'm like, I have no idea what happens there. I don't like it doesn't look like he gets his lightsaber like parried out of his hand. Uh, I can't like I'm like, I don't think he broke his wrist, but like there's a sound effect next to it. <laughs> like, I don't know what happens. It didn't get cut off. It's in the next panel. Like, I'm not sure what happened there. They're like, there's a few things where I'm like, I it's hard for me to follow. Um, but overall it's still a very solid book. There's a reason it's in our foundational five. So I'm sticking with a 9.0. All right. I had the lowest score, uh, at the beginning with an 8.0. Um, but that was more because of what I read a year ago. Um, my current score, I am bumping this up all the way up to a 9.5 mainly because this adds to the star Wars lore full stop. It adds to Kylo's story. It adds to star Wars comics war or comics, um, we didn't even, uh, well, well, we'll get to the Easter eggs here in a minute. Um, 
there are so many Easter eggs in this book. And this is the beginning. Like, we don't know what we got from this when we got it in 2019. And the more Charles Soule writes in Star Wars, the more gifts he provides to us. And the more we realize this was in Rise of Kylo Ren or this was in, you know, something else that he wrote. And and I and I love that. And and to, to really have these comics be all interconnected like that is is really, really special. Um, it's a great standalone story as you know, which is why, you know, it, it's, it's in our foundational five, foundational five. But it also really ties well into so many other books. So it just it's a, it's a great piece. So I would highly recommend it. Exactly. We're about to get into the Easter eggs, but I think this might be the first thing we've gotten. Where there are more Easter eggs for things that came later than for Easter eggs for than for things that came before. Like he planted these Easter eggs, knowing they would hatch later. That's a, that's a very good point. So we can. That's true. It, it's also you know it is a side effect of the fact that we are doing this several years after it came out, where it's like we don't know what happened in War of the Bounty Hunters that might be referenced two years from right. now. So it's a bit of a yeah, but anyways, Easter eggs, here we come. Uh, so we start off with um, Vo mentions how this is not like a straight up Easter egg, but no, Vo mentions how uh, the force sings with Luke's presence, which I thought was like kind of a I don't know if it's a nod to Avar Chris, but that definitely sounds like something she would say. Mm-hmm. Um, Ben's ship is called the Grimtosh, which is an Alderanian mythological creature, and it is also a piece in Dejaric, aka Star Wars Space Chess. Um, they visit the Maxine station to go visit Snoke, uh, which is seen in Into the Dark. Uh, Snoke later gets a transmission there from Brendel Hux, which is the father of the General Hux from the movies. Uh, and he's seen in Aftermath, uh, the Af- Aftermath trilogy, uh, starting off like the fledged- fledgling First Order. Um, this is the first uh, place that the High Republic has ever been mentioned by name, chronologically speaking, um, like in the real world. Uh, this is the first time it had ever been mentioned. Uh, Project Luminous had been announced by this point, but there was no one knew what it was about yet. Uh, so this is the first time you actually get to see High Republic mentioned in text. Um, they visit the outpost on Elfrona that was used by <coughs> used by Loden Greatstorm, Bell Zedifar, and Deer Stokes, and Porter Engel in Light of the Jedi. Uh, Luke mentions having found a lightsaber in a trapped temple to Ben, which was uh, from the 2020 run where he finds the temple guard lightsaber. Um, Luke also guarded mentions, by the uh, Grand Inquisitor, who we've now seen in line at live action. Just that's right. quick aside. Yeah. Uh, Luke men- then mentions finding Jocasta News stash, which was, <coughs> which was in Dark Lord of the Sith, the Darth Vader comic. Uh, and then we also see, uh, speaking of which, we see a lightsaber gun in the uh, outpost as well as a Jedi and Sith holocron. Uh, and then when Hennix opens a holocron in a flashback, that is Avar Chris. So it's the first time we saw her. We just didn't know who it was at the time. So there you go. All right. Another impressive list of Easter eggs. Thank you, Jacob, for, com- uh, for compiling that. Uh, Emma, what do we have coming up for us next week, as well as our sister shows uh, in, the, in the coming weeks? Yeah, absolutely. So next week for us, we have something a little bit punny for you guys. It's uh, it's Imperial March. Uh, yeah, we're gonna be talking about uh, <laughs> we're gonna be talking about the handlers of Darth Vader. So that should be really interesting. Uh, another uh, thing for Legends Look Back. 
Uh, they are doing uh, tomorrow at 930 uh, Eastern Time right here on YouTube. They are doing the best babies of the EU, which I absolutely love. Um, it's to celebrate our very own Emily Daybeck's uh, pregnancy. She's uh, very close to to her due date. So, you know, hopefully she'll be there tomorrow. I'm crossing my fingers. That'll be fun. Uh, looking forward to that. And uh, on uh, Monday on The Living Force, uh, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on YouTube, Midnight Horizon Roundtable Part 1. That was supposed to be last week, but instead we got a little thirsty and that's okay. <laughs> they're, they're, we're going to get serious next <laughs> next week. So, yeah, Charles will be back and uh, that'll be great. It, it's such a good book, so I can't wait to hear them talk about it. All right. But until then, I think that is going to do it for this week's episode of The Cosmic Force. Don't forget to like and subscribe to the show right here on YouTube, where you can hear us live every Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern. We also encourage you to subscribe to our the audio version of our show on whichever pl- podcast platform you listen to. You can also follow us on Twitter and tweet at the show at Cosmic, Fo- Cosmic Force Show to stay informed about all things Star Wars comics. Or you can also follow the hosts individually. I'm at Ty Rags. Emma is at Irma Jedi 26. Caleb is at Caleb Lamanek. And Jacob is at Jacob Bosch. Uh, for reviews, articles, and news for the rest of the Expanded Universe, be sure to visit utini.com. We encourage you to join our Utini Discord community by going to utini.com slash discord. And you can help support the show by heading to patreon.com slash utini and start receiving exclusive perks starting at just $5 a month. A special thank you to OK Endar, Brian Dooley, Earl Q, Patrick Ortiz, and Carl Sander on our Jedi High Council, as well as Matt Bellington, Elizabeth Cloutier, Freddie C, and Sally and Chris Eilerson on our Alliance High Command. Thank you. All of you for your continued amazing support. Thanks again to Emma, Caleb, and Jacob for hosting with me tonight. Thank you to everybody who joined us live in the chat. And a special thank you to our listeners for joining us wherever and whenever you are. We really do appreciate you. We hope to see everybody next week. But until then, may the force be with you. 